It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Garrett Wilson. Wow! What a catch! Touchdown, Jets! That kid's amazing. Gibson on the return. Near side. I don't see any flags. Gibson inside the 30. Hits the Jets. And he's going to go. Just win it. Touchdown, rookie Xavier Gibson. Game over. Allen has time. Intercepted. Sauce Gardner's got it. Allen tripped up. He could not get past Jermaine Johnson. Oh, look at the speed of Brees Hall. He's done it again. Brees Lightning, 62 yards for the touchdown. And he's sacked again by Quinton Williams. What a beast, number 95 for the Jets. Listen. This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And we are going to do Jets year-end awards. I thought this would be fun. I know the team voted on some categories. But we have some categories. Some are serious. Some not so serious. And so to talk about all of them and review them with us, our friend, contributor at PlayLikeAJet.com, Kayla Pace. KP, good to talk to you as always. Yes, same with you. And if you're listening to this, you should know that you're going to get a double dose of Kayla this week because you're going to hear her on the year-end awards today. And then tomorrow, you're going to have Kayla leading off the off-season roundtables, a yearly tradition we do, talking to a variety of different people that either cover the Jets or are Jets fans but are known for something else. We always have some interesting guests. Kayla's going to be our leadoff hitter, our Ricky Henderson, if you remember the best leadoff hitter of all time. Kayla, big shoes to fill, but I know you can do it. That's right. I mean, hey, this week it's less Bill Belichick and double the Kayla. I think that's a win for Jets fans. That's a win for humanity, honestly. Less Bill Belichick (laughs) and more Kayla. That's a win for everybody. And so with that in mind, let's get right into it here with the year-end awards. First category, Team MVP. The four nominees, Quinnen Williams, Sauce Gardner, Brees Hall, Garrett Wilson. Makes sense to me because you got the two best players on defense and the two best players on offense. Here's how the results broke down. In fourth place, a distant fourth place, Garrett Wilson with 9.1% of the vote. In third place, at 21.1%, Sauce Gardner just slightly ahead of him. In third place, Quinton Williams at 22.1%. And the runaway winner in this category with 47.8% of the vote, Brees Hall, the outstanding running back. Great year for him, but this was a strange one for me, Kayla, because there were a lot of games where Brees Hall was a non-factor. And I'm not saying it was his fault, the offensive line was bad and all of that, but he had some drops, and there were games where he just wasn't effective. Very good year overall anyway, but I thought it was interesting that he won by such a huge margin. I thought Sauce Gardner and Quinton Williams were going to get more votes here. Yeah, I think that that probably skews um, comeback story. Everyone's just really happy to see Bruce back out there, and a lot of the games that he did have were huge. So um, I think that I, I understand the vote, but I think you, uh, you you had an egregious miss there with no Greg the Leg. You know, you know I'm a Greg the Leg girl. <laughs> and Thomas Morstead. I should have put him in there too, right? Yeah. I mean, hey, anyone who can kick really carried the team this year. A little look behind the curtain here. Twitter only allows four nominees. That's why I didn't put those guys <laughs> up. But I would have otherwise because if nothing else, it's funny. And I bet you they would have gotten a lot of votes too because – They did play a very important role this year and obviously in a disappointing year. People cling to the guys that performed the best, even if their roles aren't as important. And obviously Morstead and Zerline were excellent this year. Next category, best offensive player. 
Kayla, there were only two nominees in this category because who else could you nominate here? Brees Hall and Garrett Wilson. And this was an absolute blowout. Garrett Wilson with 12.6% of the vote. Brees Hall, 87.4% of the vote. I didn't think it would be that big of a difference, but Brees Hall, clearly the runaway winner in this category. Yeah, see, I think it's it's tough because I feel for Garrett Wilson, and I think a lot of Jets fans feel for Garrett Wilson, but how can you make a wide receiver the offensive player of the year when half the time there was no one to even throw it to him? I mean, it's just, it's hard, and it's like you... Like I think there's a universal respect among Jets fans for Garrett Wilson's dedication and his game and the fact that he had that that quote like, oh, this is the worst year of my life. Like <laughs> it sucks to hear as a Jets fan because you won't want him to be successful and like you want the team to be successful and you hope that's not driving him away from the organization. But like we also get it. Like it's hard like to have a guy with that much talent who's not really fully able to reach his potential and like running back is a little bit less reliant on the quarterback play. So it, it makes sense, but also too, I mean, again, another thing about the Brees comeback too. I'd love to root for the comeback, but hopefully that'll be Garrett Wilson next year. Best defensive player, the nominees, Jermaine Johnson, Quincy Williams, Quinton Williams, and Sauce Gardner. In a distant fourth place, Jermaine Johnson, 2.5% of the vote. And then it gets a little bit closer. Quinton Williams, 23.6% of the vote. His brother, Quincy, 34.1% of the vote. And the winner here, Sauce Gardner at 39.9% of the vote. I think it should have gone to Quinton or Sauce. I think a big part of this is that Quinton Williams didn't have the eye-popping sack numbers this year, but he was an absolute force up front, and he opened so many things up for guys like Jermaine Johnson and Bryce Huff. But you cannot go wrong with Sauce Gardner here. He was absolutely phenomenal. He was, if not the best corner in the league, certainly in the top three this year, and you can make the case that overall he's the top corner. The only thing that you could really knock him for is that sometimes he can't catch the ball, which is why he's a corner instead of a wide receiver. And so some of those would-be interceptions went off his hands. But in terms of coverage, he was as good as it gets. Yeah, and you know I've been a Sauce fan as far back as they go, back to his freshman, sophomore year of college at Cincinnati. So um, I just think that another great quality of him, aside from just his gameplay on the field, is that he's not like a jerk. Like he's not – you can be confident and not cocky, and I think Sauce embodies that perfectly, and it's really endearing to the fans to show up week in and week out and then have things like – like he posted the other day, like his goals to like graduate college and become a professional football player and like – He's not just focused on like the fame and the attention. He's like crushing his goals and being really good on the field and being a really good role model too. So it's a, it's a great way to endear yourself to the fan base. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Next category: most improved player. Your nominees: Ashton Davis, Jermaine Johnson, Bryce Huff, Quincy Williams. All four guys on the defensive side of the ball should tell you something. Distant fourth place. Ashton Davis at 5.7%. I thought he'd get more votes because he really came along this year. In third place was Bryce Huff at 8.6%. I was surprised he got so few votes too. Quincy Williams at 38.6%. And Jermaine Johnson is your winner at 47.1% of the vote. So it was relatively close between Jermaine Johnson and Quincy Williams. Four good choices here. I probably would have gone with Quincy Williams, but... Both he and Jermaine Johnson improved a ton this year. Couldn't go wrong voting for either one of them. All right. So um, there was a lot of big numbers on the defense this year. Obviously, Bryce Tough with his, um, that, that was great. But I think that he was already a very, very solid player. So I think 
fans kind of looked at this in terms of like how big of a leap made. And so I could totally see what you're saying with like coming down to to Quincy, who definitely was a Pro Bowl snub. But I know we'll probably probably talk about that a little bit later on. But um, but I think Jermaine Johnson using a pick of that magnitude um, on a player like that, seeing him really like find his footing this year is like what these fans are looking for because when you can't hold on to a winning record and a lot of forward progress, like you want to see, um, like as a team, you want to see the picks kind of start to evolve. And, um, Jermaine Johnson definitely did that definitely lived up, um, to, to where he was drafted or at least is on the path to getting there. And that's always really exciting when, uh, you know, at this time every year, we're always looking at who who can we get in the top ten? What 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 does our mock draft look like? Because that's a uh, until until they start really winning, that's the Jets fan Super Bowl. Next category, biggest Pro Bowl snubs. Since we talked about Pro Bowl snubs just now, the nominees in this category: C.J. Mosley, Greg Zerline, Thomas Morstead, Quincy Williams. Coming in dead last, C.J. Mosley at one point eight percent. Greg Zerline, I thought he'd get more votes than this, but he only had 7.9% of the vote. Thomas Morstead, a little bit better, 14.3% of the vote. But your runaway winner here, Quincy Williams, at 76% of the vote. Makes sense, but I think part of the reason he didn't get the Pro Bowl nod is because they include edge rushers with inside linebackers. So you basically have to be Roquan Smith to have a chance to make the Pro Bowl these days. Yeah, that's a little ridiculous. The system is definitely rigged against him, but I promise this is the last time I'll bring it up and I'll totally shut up about it after. But Greg the Leg was the biggest snub to me. He scored 44.8% of the team's total offensive points this year. That is crazy. That is truly crazy. And if you're just looking at the kickers that got selected and the percentage of field goals they made versus Greg, it was it was based on popularity and names, not on actual percentage. So I, I think he was the biggest snub, but Quincy should have been there too. Best assistant coach, your choices, defensive line coach Aaron Whitecotton, defensive backs coach Tony Odin, defensive coordinator Jeff Ulbrich, and special teams coordinator Brant Boyer. Coming in last, Aaron Whitecotton at 1.6%. Next up, Tony Odin at 8.1%. Brant Boyer, 12.9%. And your runaway winner here, Jeff Ulbrich, the defensive coordinator at 77.4%. Got to think there's a chance he gets some head coaching interviews this year. In the offseason, he did a very, very good job. I don't know that he's going to get hired as a head coach, but I think he'll get some looks at least. Yeah, that would um that would hurt my soul a little bit if he if he left before we were able to field a complete team. Um, but I, I totally get it. Great year for him. And then, of course, always got to shout Brant Boyer, who survived like the most coaching changes mm-hmm. ever <laughs> and is still somehow with the Jets. Also a really great coach. But man, he is he is outlasted. He is like the sole survivor of all Jets eras. <laughs> Next category, least valuable player. Your nominees, Tim Boyle, Lakin Tomlinson, Dalvin Cook, Alan Lazard. Honorable mention for Carl Lawson, who I didn't put on this list because, as I said, I've only got four slots to give. So your fourth place guy here is Lakin Tomlinson at 5.5%. Coming in third place. Very close to Tim Boyle, 25.5%. Dalvin Cook just barely topped him at 26.4%. And your runaway winner here, Alan Lazard at 42.7%. He was such an enormous disappointment. Not that anybody should have expected him to be a great receiver, but I don't think anybody expected him to be so bad that he would be an active in favor of a five foot nine, 
undrafted rookie. Just a disastrous season for Alan Lazard, and you have to hope that his connection with Aaron Rodgers revives him a little bit in 2024 because if he repeats what he did in 2023, this is going to be one of the all-time terrible signings. I mean, hey, I've said it before and I'll say it again. Aaron Rodgers did a whole lot of complaining about the skilled players that were surrounding him in Green Bay just to convince the Jets to bring Alan Lazard in. (laughs) Then he has a season like this, and you're like, Come on, man. Like, is it familiarity that you want or talent? So I, I would agree on the Alan Lazard. Next category, most fun win of the season. Your nominees, Patriots, Texans, Eagles, and Bills. Patriots, 3.5%. They are in dead last. Next up, the Texans at 10.3%. The Bills, 31%. And your runaway winner here, the Eagles at 55.3%. I'm going to be honest. I'm surprised the Eagles won by such a huge margin because that Bills win on 9-11 was electric. And when you think about the circumstances with Aaron Rodgers going down and Zach Wilson getting shoved out there and them winning in overtime, that was a crazy night. The Patriots ending the streak, I thought that'd get a few more votes. I know the game itself was terrible. And the Texans win, I thought some people would like that one because Zach Wilson played really, really well in that one. But the Eagles get the nod, and it wasn't even close. Yeah, I think the Bills had the most exciting ending for sure. And like I would say probably the most unexpected ending, especially given how the beginning of the game went. I had a lot of fun with that, and I definitely got a noise complaint filed at my boyfriend's apartment during that game. Um, that's what happens when you live in a building full of senior citizens on a Monday night at 11. <laughs> they didn't like that. But um, Eagles was the first game I got to watch with my dad this season, and that was like the most satisfying win, I think. Because Bills, I wasn't satisfied. I was like, okay, we got this game, and now what the hell are we going to do without Rodgers? So I think like the Eagles one was probably like the most um, fun and satisfying for me. I have to agree. Kayla, I've told the story many times. I'm not going to do it again, but I will say that my neighbors, I'm sure, filed a noise complaint against me after the Jets drafted Quinn and Williams at number three in the 2019 draft. So I feel your pain is what I'm saying in terms of being loud (laughs) enough to get your neighbors upset at you at 11 p.m. at night on a Monday because, of course, they're not used to hearing that level of noise that time of night. Next category, (laughs) best moment on hard knocks. I left out the Sharkucci board, which a lot of people pointed out. Sorry. Oh, well. Here are your nominees. Rookie Talent Show, Hackett Talks Movies, Rogers Clowns Jihad Ward that was in the Giants preseason game when he said to him, I don't even know who you are, bro. And Mike Evans calls Quinnen Williams fat. In last place, Nathaniel Hackett Talking Movies, 1.5%. In third place, it's the Rookie Talent Show, 14.3%. That one actually got some love from Eminem on social media. Mike Evans calling Quentin Williams fat was second with 31.1%. And Aaron Rodgers clowning Jihad Ward comes in first at 53.1%. I'm disappointed here. I thought for sure Mike Evans calling Quentin Williams fat and Quentin's reaction talking to Michael Clemens and all those guys on the sideline was going to be the winner here. But Rodgers clowning Jihad Ward was entertaining, certainly. The Rookie Talent Show, that was entertaining enough to get Eminem's attention. So I'm surprised that didn't get more votes, too. Yeah, no, I'm a I'm a sucker for the rookie talent show. I I love that. I think it's like so fun that these like grown adults at their jobs do things like this. I, I just like think it's great. But um, yeah, I think everyone loves uh, Jets fans gotta love that moment of Aaron Rodgers being on the Jets, finally getting to clown another team. <laughs> <laughs> Next category: best offseason move. 
besides Rodgers. Quentin Jefferson, Xavier Gibson, Thomas Morstead, re-signing Quincy Williams. Those are your nominees. In last place, Xavier Gibson, getting him as an undrafted free agent, 1.6%. Third place, Quentin Jefferson at 3.2%. Thomas Morstead at 20.9%. And your runaway winner here is re-signing Quincy Williams at 74.3%. And that makes sense, Kayla, because not only did they bring back Quincy Williams and not only did he play at a Pro Bowl level, even if the Pro Bowl didn't pick him, but he's doing it at a very reasonable price. Credit to Ulbrich and Salah for developing Quincy Williams, continuing to believe in him and pushing to re-sign him. That decision and everything that went into it paid off big time this year. Yeah, and I think you look at it and it's... It's a rarity that we see a lot of like the talent developed in-house getting to stay in-house after the fact. And a lot of the times the players that come back on second, third contracts end up kind of being just like falling flat. And it's definitely been like a a historical problem for the Jets. So to see them actually like hang on to the right guy and watch him break out, like that's, that's really satisfying as a fan who like grows to love these guys and hates having to watch them go somewhere else and, and play at that level there. Next category, Worst Media Narrative of the Year. Two nominees here. Aaron Rodgers, Nick Bauden's storyline about how Aaron Rodgers was apparently Mr. Scrooge ruining Nick Bauden's Christmas and taking food out of his wife's mouth. And Josh Dobbs, superhero. The narrative that if only the Jets had gotten Josh Dobbs, they would have gone 13-4, and four, won the division, gotten the one seed, and won the Super Bowl or something. That seemed to be what everybody was talking about for a while when Zach Wilson was struggling and Dobbs went through that two- or three-game stretch where he played well. Josh Dobbs, superhero, 40.8%, and your winner is the Aaron Rodgers-Nick Bauden storyline at 59.2%. Kayla, both of these storylines were insufferably annoying and stupid. They persisted for a significant period of time. Either one of them would have been a good choice in this category, but I think the Aaron Rodgers, Nick Bauden stuff was by far the worst. The fake outrage from people about Nick Bauden, who, by the way, had his entire salary guaranteed anyway, was just absolutely ridiculous. It was nothing more than a way for people who didn't like Aaron Rodgers to begin with to take swipes at him before even looking at the facts of this and finding out that Bauden's salary was entirely guaranteed. And that was part of the reason why he was the one that was picked for this, because they knew that releasing him wasn't going to take any money out of his pocket. Yeah, wow. I'm surprised you only had two in the bad media narratives because there's always so many. Where where's Zach Wilson quits on the team? Mm, where's that, that was one? a good one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no, I think there's about a hundred more that could have gone in that category, but like you said, only four choices. Yeah, the bottom one was annoying. It's just like and I say this all the time, um, when I'm talking in like WNBA circles, there's a lot of WNBA fans who aren't as knowledgeable about contracts and salary caps and how the league works in that way as NFL fans are. But this kind of just brought out of the woodwork the NFL fans that don't really know that and just want to find something to complain about. So it's like if you're really well versed in like how this team is structured and and like how the cap is and how these salaries work and and who's a vet, who's considered a veteran that's vested, like this isn't something you freak out about, but it's it's definitely um a worry of the more casual fan. Kayla, as you well know, there is never a shortage of people who are willing to freak out about just about anything. But when it comes to Aaron Rodgers, there's really no shortage of people that are looking to score cheap points at his expense. And I think that's entirely what this was. Let's be real. 
even if Nick Bauden was going to lose some money, none of them cared even a little bit about Nick Bauden. They were just using him as a hammer to wield at Aaron Rodgers. I think most people that understand anything about contracts and all that, like you said, knew that it was nonsense and saw through it, but unfortunately, the narrative did persist and persisted for way too long, and I'm sure we're going to see plenty more of these silly narratives because they always follow the Jets, no matter what. There's always <laughs> going to be stupid narratives following the Jets, and there's going to be a lot of these categories to review again next year. Hopefully, though, we have a more positive experience as fans to talk about next year. Hopefully, they win more games. Hopefully, Aaron Rodgers stays healthy, and hopefully, the Jets break this playoff drought. But in the meantime, we'll just have to wait and see what they do in the offseason and how everything unfolds. Kayla Pace Contributor, playlikejet.com. Thank you so much for coming on and reviewing the year-end awards with me. Really appreciate it. For those that want to follow you on Twitter and check out what you're doing, there's some stuff coming down the pike, I hear. We're not going to get into details. We'll keep it vague for now. How can people follow you on social media and talk some Jets with you? Yeah, so my Twitter handle is at KP underscore on underscore TV. And Scott, I want you to make me a quick promise. No matter what happens next year, best offensive lineman has to be in the category and i hope people are battling because they can't decide because they were just all so good absolutely of course i didn't do that category this year because who would you have even picked let's be real <laughs> <laughs> but hopefully there's a bevy of choices next season and we'll find out what they do here in free agency in the draft to make that become a reality make sure that you follow kayla on twitter and check out everything we're doing over at playlikeajet.com make sure you give us a five-star review for the podcast on itunes too if you haven't done that already easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing it doesn't take you much time doesn't cost you any money but it goes a long way to help us out so if you could go ahead and do that for us we'd be quite grateful and for the latest and greatest in new york jets podcasts and content you know where to go that's play like a jet digital and play like a jet dot com.